Hey, everybody. Today, we are in week number three of our Resilience series, and today we're going to talk about fear. If you want to open up your Bibles, we're going to be looking at the story of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. But before we get there, let's kind of go back and review some things from the series. First of all, we should probably define resilience. We've talked about this for a couple weeks now. Resilience for a Christian is harnessing difficult emotions to build your faith. Remember what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants you to experience emotions like anger and fear and shame and grief, and he wants to use those emotions to turn you away from God, to turn you away from your pursuit, and it happens with so many people. So many people don't know how to handle their their emotional lives. They don't include their emotions in their discipleship, and then when they encounter an emotion that they don't they don't know how to handle, because they don't they don't prioritize emotions because they're not guarding their hearts like we've been talking about. Remember Proverbs 4, guard your heart because it's going to determine in the course of your of your life. So that's talking about your emotions along with your thoughts. It's about your whole inner life. So an emotionally healthy follower of Jesus is going to harness those hard emotions and you're going to it's going to build your faith. It's not going to destroy your faith. And today's emotion is a hard one because we're talking about fear, otherwise known as anxiety. Now for me, I never thought that I had an anxiety problem. I remember early in our marriage, Tracy, my wife, would would say to me on walks, hey, I'm feeling anxiety, I'm, I'm feeling anxiousness right now, and I didn't even know how to relate to it because I thought I didn't have a problem with anxiety. Well, little did I know that I had been stuffing my emotions. I'm one of those guys, and maybe you can relate, I'm one of those guys who just sort of pushes past hard emotions, otherwise known as stuffing those hard emotions. And and so early in my life, when I would hear stories like this, I honestly couldn't relate. Now, I don't know about for you. Maybe you're someone who's really in tune to your anxious thoughts, or maybe you're someone like me who doesn't think you ever have them. But my guess is every one of us, if we're honest, if we look in the mirror, every one of us deals with anxiety at some level. Okay, so for you, maybe if you're someone who can relate to me, then keep listening because I hope we can uncover your anxiety. I hope we can sort of shine a light on the fear that might be in you. There's all kinds of fears. We're going to talk about some of them today, but I hope we can uncover them so that you don't experience what I experienced because here's what happened. A few years ago, I'm at a hotel in Dallas, two in the morning, I wake up in a complete panic. Now, to make a long story short, basically, I had a panic attack. I had no idea what that was. I'd never experienced it before. But I think it was a result of me stuffing these fears and anxieties, not dealing with them, not putting them on the table to evaluate them, not being honest with them. And it all came to a head. And for the next several months after that initial experience in Dallas, I really had to sort of face these fears. And my goal is to help you to see today how to do this with the Bible in mind from a biblical perspective. We're going to see this King Jehoshaphat who had to do this very same thing thousands of years ago. Now, before we jump into all this, maybe you're aware of a series that we did. We have it online at PursueGod.org. It's called Anxious. 
go search that series. And I really encourage you to check this one out. If you haven't done this with your family or your small group, or maybe one-on-one with a mentor. And here are a few insights just to sort of get these in your mind before we dive into, you know, how to harness your fears in today's topic based on Jehoshaphat's story. A few insights from the anxious series. Number one, control is just an illusion. See, for me and my fear, which was all sort of came to a surface in in my panic attacks in Dallas several years ago, I realized that sort of at the bottom of my fear was the fact that I was losing control. You know, I was getting older. I wasn't able to control my future. I wasn't able to control all the things in my life. And I'd been trying to control it. I've been pushing through and, and, you know, trying to be in control. And what I learned over the course of several, several months as I was evaluating these panic attacks, I learned that I wasn't in control. I thought I was, but I wasn't. That's a lesson maybe some of you will learn today. It's a lesson that Jehoshaphat learned when he was faced with his big anxiety-producing circumstance in his life. Here's a second insight from that anxious series online. Let your worries trigger prayer. See, here's what happens when you start to experience anxiety or fear, is it triggers kind of this, what we call this anxiety cycle, and it just starts to loop. Have you ever experienced this? This is what happened to me starting that night in Dallas, is I would get anxious and I didn't know how to handle that, and it would just make me more and more and more anxious. And I had to learn some some skills, some new skills for dealing with this anxiety so it didn't trigger this cycle in my life. And one of those skills, it comes from Philippians 4 in the Bible, is to let those worries trigger prayer instead of letting those worries trigger more anxiety. Paul said in Philippians 4 verse 6, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. There it is. Paul's Paul's trick, his insight was to let that anxiety, as soon as you feel it, as soon as you feel it, let it trigger prayer. Let it trigger this this new habit of going to God. And so think about that. If every time you felt anxiety, you went to God, man, you'd have an incredible prayer life, wouldn't you? All right, one more insight from that anxious series, and it's to win the battle in your mind. Philippians 4.8 says, Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. So we've talked about the fact that your heart, you know, whenever the Old Testament talks about your heart, like you should guard your heart because it determines the course of your life, that is talking not just about your emotions, but it's talking about your thoughts as well. Because really in the Old Testament, your heart wasn't just about your feelings, it was about the whole inner person. And so there's this connection between your thoughts and your feelings that we have to pay attention to as Christians. We're learning how to capture our thoughts and therefore how to guard our feelings. And so one of the secrets to overcoming anxiety is to win the battle in your mind. And we're going to be doing that a little bit today as we dive into the story of Jehoshaphat and how he handled his fears. Now, first, I want to start with seven different types of fear. I'm going to list them out, and and I wonder for you, maybe just think about which one of these you're dealing with right now, because more than likely, one or two of these things would be at the top of your list if you're honest with yourself. Okay, so here are seven types of fear. Number one, the fear of 
failure. This for me was a huge one as I processed my emotions in that hotel room in Dallas and in the months beyond that, I realized that I was afraid to fail. I was thinking about my legacy. I was thinking about my future. So that was a big one for me. Maybe it is for for you as well. The second one, how about fear of the unknown? You know, there's something in your future. Maybe you're thinking about your work or your finances or your health, and it it triggers the anxiety response for you. Or the third one, fear of change. You're not sure it's kind of connected to the fear of the unknown, but but you're not great with change. And so you're afraid of something in the future that might change. You want to hit the pause button on your life right now. Things are great right now, but you're afraid that it's going to change because guess what? It will. Or number four, what about good old-fashioned fear of pain? Or how about number five, fear of loss. You know, you're thinking about maybe if a friend or a family member who's sick, who's struggling, you're afraid of what life's going to be like. You're afraid of losing that important relationship, or maybe you're afraid of losing your material possessions. Maybe you think about the the stock market or your investment, your retirement investment, and it brings fear into the picture for you. Just two more. Number six, what about fear of rejection? And that's one that so many people deal with. Oh, really, that's part of the larger category of social fear. You're afraid of judgment. You're afraid of rejection. Maybe that's one of the fears that you didn't even know what, what the name was for that. You, maybe you didn't even realize that, that, that that's one of the fears that you're experiencing. But again, I want you to be able to put a finger on it so that we can begin to address it and overcome it, right? We want to harness it for good rather than allowing the enemy to harness it for evil. Or one more, what about the fear of death? This is in the category of existential fear. You're, you're afraid. The, this is sort of like the mother of all fears, the ultimate fear. Even for me in Dallas, I had to wrestle with this one as well. Like I realized that part of it was I, I was afraid of, of death. I was afraid of you know, the end of my life. I was, I was even a little bit afraid of eternity. Maybe some of you are experiencing that as well. For me, that was a hard one to grapple with because, you know, I'm a pastor and I'm a person of faith. And it didn't seem like something that a person of faith would deal with, that existential fear, that fear of death. But I think that was part of what I was struggling with. And I had to be honest about it. I had to put it on the table. Now, those are just seven examples. There's so much more we could get into, but I wonder which type of fear you're experiencing, which one of those really jumped out at you. And I want you to keep that in mind as we open up today's Bible text and as we tell the story of King Jehoshaphat and the fear that he was facing. Actually, it was a bunch of fears because so many of these fears on the list, I'm sure Jehoshaphat would say, that's what I'm dealing with right now in this situation. So 2 Chronicles chapter 20, starting in verse 1, it says, After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Mayonites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Okay, so Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, and he was actually one of the good kings. Earlier in 2 Chronicles, in chapter 17, it says that he was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord. He removed the pagan shrines and Asherah poles from Judah. Now, there were only, by my count, there were only four good kings in Judah's history. So over more than two, three hundred years of kings in, in the nation of Judah, which was 
which was uh, the southern kingdom of Israel. So Israel in, in David and Solomon's day was great, and it was a united kingdom. But after Solomon died, the kingdom divided into two. So the northern kingdom was called Israel then from that point on, and the southern kingdom was called Judah. Jehoshaphat was one of the kings in Judah, and he was one of only four good kings in that nation. And so I'm sure that he had fear of failure. I'm sure that he didn't want to fail Judah as king. But now look, the, these armies are declaring war. They're going to come come against Jehoshaphat and threaten Jehoshaphat in his reign. So I'm sure that he had some fear of the unknown, right? It was unpredictable. War is always unpredictable. And I'm sure he had some fear of change. How is this going to change things for the nation? I mean, up to this point, he was leading the nation well. He was bringing religious and judicial form to the nation. Second Chronicles 17 says that, that he sent officials out to teach in all the towns of Judah. And it says that they took copies of the book of the law of the Lord and traveled around all through the towns of Judah teaching the people. And so, again, like Jehoshaphat is doing some good things. He's bringing reform to the nation but what is war going to do now? In fact, I'm sure that he was a, a little bit confused about this. He's probably thinking, look, life is good. I, I'm doing the right stuff. God, why are you allowing this threat into our nation? Like, I'm one of the good guys. I don't understand it. Maybe that's some of you right now listening to this. Maybe some of your anxiety is mixed with confusion because you don't know how God could allow bad things to happen when when everything seems to be going well and you're trying to honor God in your life. And so maybe your anxiety is mixed in with a little bit of confusion or maybe even a little bit of frustration toward God. Back to Jehoshaphat's story, he was probably also afraid of pain. He was afraid of loss because, again, war brings this. I mean, he had narrowly escaped death earlier in chapter 18. The king of Israel, King Ahab, wasn't so lucky. But so here, Jehoshaphat is dealing with those fears as well. And then, of course, ultimately, this was an existential threat to Judah. So, so you can see all seven of those fears that we just listed, that I'm sure that Jehoshaphat was facing all of those fears as these other nations are declaring war on Judah. Now, let's put a pin in the story just for a second. We're going to come back to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I want to make sure that you know the end of the story because that's, it's really a cool story. Jehoshaphat is such a great example for us, and we're going to get some tips on how to deal with our anxiety. But I want to stop for a second and just define fear. I want to define anxiety for a second. We did this in the anxiety series, and I'm going to use the definition from there for today's purposes as well. Fear or anxiety, it's an emotion caused by the brain's reaction to situations. It's not caused by the situations themselves. So I'm gonna read that again. I, wanna, I want you to pause and think about that. In fact, maybe, maybe you're gonna to have to do just that, is pause this podcast episode and really think about what this means. Fear is an emotion caused by the brain's reaction to situations, not the situations themselves. And remember, in week one of this series, we talked about the fact that emotions aren't bad, right? So emotions are neutral, and we can either use emotions for good or we can use emotions for evil. We can harness emotions for faith, to build our faith, 
Or the enemy can harness those emotions and manipulate those emotions to destroy our faith. So fear is an emotion that's about that's about how your brain reacts to a situation, something that feels like a threat to your to you or to your existence or whatever. Right? So for example, you know, if you're out there on a hike and I've got a friend who did this. He was on a hike in Alaska and he turns a corner and there is a bear, like a great big grizzly bear. And so he had a fear response to that, right? We we've all heard of the flight or fight response. And for him, his immediate response was to start looking around and to see where he could run off to and where he could dive off to. Now, he he had a buddy with him walking as well. And his buddy, thank God, his buddy, like immediate, his immediate thing was to get really big and to make noise and to try to scare the bear off. And that's eventually what happened for my buddy and his buddy. And so they survived that encounter. But you can see how fear is a good response in that situation. Like, like it was an emotion that's helpful to us because it, it alerts us to a situation that we should really pay attention to. I mean, think about if you didn't, if you didn't have proper fear of a grizzly bear, you might just walk up to it and pet it and, you know, want to make it your pet. Well, that would be, that'd be dumb and you'd end up dying, wouldn't you? So, so do you see how fear can be good? Because it can protect us from real dangers. I, I remember when when our daughter was just a toddler and she was walking over to the stove and she's not old enough to understand a hot stove and what it can do to you. And so I remember saying to her, hey, don't, Kenzie, don't touch that stove. It's hot. She didn't understand that. She didn't have a proper fear of the stove. So that's why she needed parents, right? To teach her and to guide her and help her to have proper fear, help her to to understand when something can be dangerous for her. Because again, fear is an emotion caused by the brain's reaction to situations, not the situations themselves. So it's important for our brain to react to situations with appropriate fear. Now, what happened to me when I was in that Dallas hotel room is that I was experiencing fear. My brain was tricking me into thinking that there was an imminent danger, but there wasn't. So see, that, that's what panic attacks are. It's, they're irrational. It's not, it's not, I mean, it's the basic underlying idea is good, but the threat's not really there. And so you have these irrational fears. And that's what happened to me, and maybe that's what has happened to you. That's where we need to guard our hearts, which includes our minds, right? That means that we need to pay attention to our inner person and put those fears on the table, put those anxieties on the table so we can learn from them. Instead of being afraid of them, we can learn from them and it can build our faith instead of destroying our faith. But remember, the enemy wants to use fear to serve evil. He wants you to experience anxiety and fear, and he wants you to turn to other things other than God to alleviate those fears. And maybe you've done this before, or maybe you know people who have done this before. They have anxiety. They don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to process it. It doesn't push them toward God. It pushes them away from God. So here's the basic question for today. Is your fear building or destroying your faith? Think about 
the fear that you're facing right now and be honest with yourself. Maybe even you need to invite someone to help you process this because maybe it's not apparent to you. It's not clear to you what the answer is. But here's the question again. Is your fear building or destroying your faith? Now, I'm going to let that question ring out in your mind for a while as we go back to the story of Jehoshaphat. So remember, the enemy armies are advancing. He's experiencing all seven of these types of fears in his life. And here's what it says in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3. It says, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news, and he begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Okay, so let's pause right there, and and I want to highlight Jehoshaphat's three-part plan for overcoming fear. We see it right here in these two verses. Step number one, admit you're afraid. It says right there that Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. Now, this isn't Jehoshaphat writing this, right? It's the chronicler who's writing this. But I think it indicates to us that Jehoshaphat didn't pretend like he wasn't afraid. And this is really big. Again, for me, this is something I learned in my life that I think I just never, I was never willing to admit my anxieties. I I think it made me feel weak. It made me feel, I mean, not necessarily sinful, but it made me feel weak and less than. And I think a lot of you men out there listening might relate to just that, that you're afraid to be afraid, that you're not willing to put your fear on the table. You're not willing to dissect it. And I remember in, in uh, junior high or high school, I remember science class, we, we dissected a frog for a couple of weeks. And I, I still remember the smell of that, the formaldehyde and just how nasty it was. But I remember like pulling that frog apart. I didn't like it, but a lot of students love that kind of thing. This is what we need to do with fear. We need to put it on the table and be willing to take a knife to it. Remember, fear is an emotional response to a perceived threat. It's not necessarily the threat itself, but it's how you're handling the threat. So if you're fearing something, if you're feeling anxiety, then that means that there's something in your heart, there's something in your head that you need to put on the table and talk about and process. So admit you're afraid. That's the first step for Jehoshaphat. He was terrified by the news. And because of that, he could do the second step. And here's the second step. It says that he begged the Lord for guidance. So step number two in Jehoshaphat's three-step plan for overcoming fear is turn to God. Now that seems simple, right? That seems pretty obvious that we might get to that in a, in a Bible lesson on how to handle fear. But man, Is that really what you do? I mean, make a list of the things or people that you turn to before you turn to God. Maybe you turn to a drink. Maybe you turn to drugs. Maybe you turn to a book, a self-help book. Maybe you turn to a friend. Now, look, I'm not saying you shouldn't talk to a friend. I'm not saying that you shouldn't read a book. I did. I I turned to my wife, and she helped me process 
my panic attacks for several months and it was super helpful to me. I read a bunch of books in that season that were super helpful to me. I even was able to, with the help of a doctor, to have some medication for several months as I processed that. So I'm not saying that those things are wrong or bad, but there are people out there who only turn to those things, or actually there are people out there who turn to God at the very end. But notice that Jehoshaphat turned to God at the very beginning. I mean, what's your plan A for dealing with your anxiety? I hope your plan A is to turn to God. I hope he's not like your, your last ditch plan. You know, if, if, if this medication doesn't work, if this alcohol doesn't work, if, these, if this book on self-help doesn't work, if these friends don't have anything helpful for me, maybe finally at the end of this whole journey, I'll turn to God and I'll be desperate enough to pray to him. I want to encourage you to turn to God first. I want to encourage you to seek him for guidance. This is what Jehoshaphat did. Okay, so step number one, admit you're afraid. Step number two, turn to God. This seems really basic. The third step, and again, it comes right from 2 Chronicles 20, verses 3 and 4. The third step might seem a little bit specific or a little bit random or a little bit old-fashioned. But the third step is that Jehoshaphat ordered a fast. That that he and the, the whole nation of Judah began a fast. And so I'm putting it on my list because look, it's right there in the Bible. It's right there in the story. And for some of you listening to this, maybe you would never have thought about this. In fact, if you pick up a self-help book on anxiety, you know, this is not something that you would ever read because it's a distinctly biblical thing. And it's related to the second step, turning to God. But if you're desperate enough, and I think Jehoshaphat was, if you're desperate enough, maybe you should start a fast. Now, we've got some information on what a fast is and and how to do it. In fact, in our series called Breakthrough, we can go find that that series online at PursueGod.org, but we talk about spiritual breakthrough and how fasting can bring a breakthrough for you. And maybe you've been dealing with anxiety. Maybe there's a specific situation that you've been praying about and struggling with, and, and it's created fear and anxiety in your life, and you have never you've never actually fasted about it. You've never fasted for that situation. Maybe, maybe that is the key to breakthrough in your life. So just real quick, a fast is when you give up food and or drink for a period of time for a specific purpose. And so that's what Jehoshaphat was doing. He was calling for a fast. He said, let's all fast so that we really can seek the Lord's help and that's why it's connected into you know, the second step of turning to God. It's about setting aside time. It's about denying yourself what you would normally, what you would normally give yourself, good things, food and drink, and saying, I'm not going to eat for, for a day. I'm not going to eat for three days. Maybe some of you, maybe that's what you need to do. Spend some time, focus time with God. Say, God, what do you want to teach me in this? God, help me to learn from this situation that is creating anxiety for me in my life. Help me to learn to be dependent on you. That's one of the things that a fast will do, is it'll show you just these, these, this basic dependence that you have on food. It will show you that you can do without food for a while, but you can't do without God. And so fasting 
might open up your understanding of the situation. God might use fasting to communicate. He might, he might have some lessons that he wants you to learn, but the fast is going to unlock those lessons. So Jehoshaphat's three-part plan for overcoming fear. Number one, admit you're afraid. Number two, turn to God. And number three, start a fast. Now, here's how the story ended. You've been waiting for this, I'm sure. Second Chronicles 20, verse 12. Here is Jehoshaphat's prayer. He says, O oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. And I love this next part. He says, we do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. You might want to write that one down. That might be a memory verse for you in this season as you're attacking anxiety. Second Chronicles 20, 12. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. I want to dig a little bit deeper into Jehoshaphat's story just for a second here. And I want to show you two recent examples in his life, two, two men in his life who were examples for him who did not have that same attitude in harnessing fear. The first example was King Ahab. I already mentioned King Ahab. He was the king of Israel. Remember, Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. Ahab was the king of Israel. And in 2 Chronicles 18, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, they went into battle, they joined up and went into battle together. This is a couple chapters earlier. They went into battle against another nation. And, and King Ahab said this to Jehoshaphat. He says, as we go into battle, I will disguise myself so no one will recognize me, but you go ahead and wear royal robes. Now, this is actually pretty comical, but here's what was happening. Ahab knew that the enemy army would be looking for the king to kill the king. And so Ahab's idea was to say, hey, Jehoshaphat, how about you dress up like the king and I'll dress up like a regular regular warrior, like a regular soldier. So I don't know why Jehoshaphat agreed to it, but he does. They go into battle. Ahab is trusting his own scheme. You can go read it for yourself in 2 Chronicles 18. It's really a cool story. The whole plan backfired. I mean, the enemy army is like, sh is like shooting at Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat is spared. Why? Because God was in it, because God protected him. And so Jehoshaphat survived that battle. But some random arrow ends up killing King Ahab. They're not even shooting at him because they didn't know he was the king because he was in disguise. But a random arrow, and that's what the Bible says, a random arrow killed Ahab. Now, obviously, it wasn't random, was it? See, God allowed that to happen because Ahab had his own scheme. He turned to his own wisdom to try to save himself in this fearful situation, whereas Jehoshaphat just trusted the Lord. So again, back to Jehoshaphat's, you know, famous statement here in 2 Chronicles 20, 12, we do not know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. Jehoshaphat had done it before. Ahab didn't. Ahab ended up losing the battle, losing his life. Now, the second example in Jehoshaphat's life was his own father. So Jehoshaphat's own father, his name was Asa, was the king of Judah before Jehoshaphat was. And 2 Chronicles 16, so we have to go a few more chapters back, it says in the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a serious foot disease, okay? And here's what it says. This is so interesting. Yet even with the severity of his disease, 
he did not seek the Lord's help, but turned only to his physicians. So he died in the 41st year of his reign. I just couldn't help but notice the contrast between Jehoshaphat's father, where it says that he did not seek the Lord's help. It specifically says that. And Jehoshaphat himself, where he says, we're looking to you, God, for help. What a contrast. Now, again, for you, be honest. Are you more like Asa or are you more like Jehoshaphat? Are you more like Ahab, king, the king of Israel, trying to scheme your own way around that thing that is bringing fear and anxiety into your life? Or are you more like Jehoshaphat? Are you just going to humble yourself and go to God and say, I can't do it. I can't handle it. I need your help. I'm desperate here. You know, in my life, that's really one of the things I learned. I was at a point after those panic attacks where I honestly, for, for months, I honestly prayed to the Lord. I said, God, you have to get me through this. I, don't, I can't live like this. I can't live like this. The panic and anxiety was overwhelming. It was something I couldn't control myself. I couldn't handle it myself. I, I literally didn't know what to do. I mean, that's, I mean these, these words of this prayer of Jehoshaphat was my prayer. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, God, but I'm looking to you for help. Some of you listening today need to do this. You are not going to overcome your anxiety. You're not going to harness your fear on your own. You need to turn to the Lord for help, and he'll help you. You want to know how it ended for Jehoshaphat? Let's finish with that, because it's really a cool story. It's an encouraging story, and hopefully it'll encourage you to turn to God for a miracle like this. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15. Here's what he said. Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is a prophet now speaking to them. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Man, what another great line. The battle is not yours, but God's. Friends, your battle with fear, your battle with anxiety is not yours, it's God's. It's God's battle. Here are the instructions that the prophet gave to Jehoshaphat. He said, tomorrow go and march against them. He says, but you're not even going to need to fight. Just take your positions, stand still, and watch the Lord's victory. And so that's what they did. Verse 22, they go out there, and all they did is they sang, it says in verse 22, they began to sing and give praise And the Lord caused the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. So literally, the enemy army destroyed themselves. And Jehoshaphat and his soldiers, all they had to do was go out out there in the field afterward and just gather up all of the spoils of war. What a cool story of letting God fight the battle rather than you trying to fight the battle on your own. And 2 Chronicles 20 verse 26 says this, On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing. That's what they called it, the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. And it is still called the Valley of Blessing today. 
If you're anything like me, you do not see your fear and anxiety as a blessing. Boy, I tell you what, when I was going through that, my panic attacks, that is the last thing I would have called it in the moment. I mean, I was fighting for my life. That's what it felt like. But now I look back on it and I see it as the valley of blessing in my life. God got me through that. I turned, I turned to God and he delivered me. It was him. It wasn't me. It was him. He delivered me. And I praise him for that trial. I praise him for that test because I was able to harness my fear in the valley of blessing. Now, it wasn't me who harnessed it. I hope you understand that. It was God's battle. The battle was his. The battle wasn't mine. And he led me to victory. Today, if you're listening to this and you're experiencing fear, anxiety, and you don't know what to do about it, you are in the perfect place. God is setting you up to deliver you, and he will deliver you if you turn to him, if you trust in him like Jehoshaphat did. With God's help, you can harness that fear to build your faith. That's what it means to be resilient.